From Vintage City Church in Fort Collins, Colorado, it's the Vintage Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Greg Sanders. Hey, let's dive in. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 this morning. Uh, we're going to finish this chapter out. Uh, we're going to go through it, and we're going to pick up in verse 14. Then I'm going to read through the end of the passage, and we're just going to highlight and talk a little bit about what's, what Paul is, is really kind of an overview of what is he really saying, because it gets a little cumbersome, because he's using terminology like uh, animal sacrifice and worship offered to idols and meat, and it's, it's a, it doesn't necessarily translate very easily to our culture. So we're just going to give a brief overview, try to kind of draw out of that, what are the main nuggets that Paul's saying, and then we're going to look at a couple things that he highlights. Sound like a plan? Again, be careful, don't overuse the, don't, don't overspeak, you might sweat. Okay, here we go. I know, I, I got sarcastic when I was away. So my dear friends, flee from the worship of idols. You are reasonable people. Decide for yourself if what I'm about to say is true. When we bless the cup at the Lord's table, aren't we sharing in the benefits of the blood of Christ? And when we break the loaf of bread, aren't we sharing in the body, the benefits of the body of Christ? And we all eat from one loaf, showing that we are one body. And think about the nation of Israel. All who eat the sacrifices are united by that act. So what am I trying to say? Am I saying that the idols to whom the pagans bring sacrifices to are real gods? And that these sacrifices are of some value? No, no, not at all. What I'm saying is that these sacrifices are offered to demons, not to God. I don't want any of you to be, a, to be partners with demons. You cannot drink from the, Lord's, the cup of the Lord and from the cup of demons too. You cannot eat at the Lord's table and at the table of demons. What? Do you dare rouse the Lord's jealousy as Israel did? Do you think we're stronger than he is? You, you would say in verse 23, I'm allowed to do anything. But not everything is helpful. You would say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Don't think only of your own good. Think of other Christians and what is best for them. Here's what you should do. You may eat the meat that is sold in the marketplace. Don't ask whether or not it was offered to idols, and then your conscience won't be bothered. For the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If someone who isn't a Christian asks you home for dinner, go ahead. Accept the invitation if you want to. Eat whatever's offered to you and don't ask questions about it. Your conscience should not be bothered by this. But suppose someone warns you that this meat has been offered to an idol. Don't eat it. Out of consideration for the conscience of the one who told you. It might not be a matter of conscience for you, but it is for the other person. Now, why should my freedom be limited by what someone else thinks? If I can thank God for the food and enjoy it, why should I be condemned for eating it? Whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, you must do all for the glory of God. Don't give offense to Jews or Gentiles or to the church of God. That is the plan I follow too. I try to please everyone in everything I do. Don't just do what I like. or what it, I don't just do what I like or what is best for me, but what is best for them so they may be saved. So Paul hits a lot of ideas in here, and most of them are, it's, a, it's an end cap to ideas that he's talked about earlier in Corinthians, where if you remember meat offered to idols, 
Uh, it would be the equivalent of if, if I told you right now that when you go to the meat department at King Supers, no, this is not a plug for King Supers, nor is it a plug against them. Just know that we're just using King Supers as an example. Are we all good? Okay. If you're of the ilk of, are you like Albertsons or you like, I don't care. I'm just using King Supers because it's close. So if I told you right now, you're going to go to the meat department at King Supers and you're going to have the opportunity to buy really great filet at about two bucks a pound. But that filet was used in a demonic sacrifice. There was a Satanistic church that was wor worshiping and they needed blood sacrifice, so they used a cow, and so they sold the meat cheap to King Super so they could pass the savings on to you. <laughs> a bunch of you would be like, I'm not touching that, that was around the devil. There would be some of you would be like, I can smell a good deal when I see it, I'm taking it up on it. Because all things are good, Jesus is stronger, I don't care. Looks like meat's on the grill tonight. That's what was going on for them. And there was a war in the church. And the war in the church was that some people were incredibly offended. They could, they could not believe that people would willingly partner with the demonic. And so Paul's trying to flesh it all out. He's trying to bring to light wisdom. And I would say it this way. There's, there's a couple simple principles that come out of this text. Number one, there's a relationship between us and the Lord that's being watched. That Paul talks about the partnership with sin the partnership with the demonic, and that heaven is taking notice and God's jealousy is aroused at times when we willingly partner with things we know to be sinful. And I would love to push pause on that and say, let's talk about that for a second. Where Paul says, can you take the cup at the Lord's table? And he's talking about bread and cup. He's talking about what we would call communion or, or Eucharist. Can you say, when you take that, Paul, what Paul's saying is there's a supernatural declaration that you're making when you take the bread and cup. And what you're saying when you take the bread and cup is you're saying, I am covenanted to you, Lord, and I'm committing my solidarity to you. I'm saying I belong to you and in, in so much that I will have no partnership with hell. It's a big statement. Easy to say in church, feels really good. Yeah, no partnership with hell much more difficult when it comes down to the details of our lives. The little micro moments where we're allowing partnership, we're allowing mixture, we're allowing things we know are outside of the heart of God, and we just allow them because at the end of the day, we tend to want what we want. And Paul's admonition to this young church is you need to be aware. There is this thing called the jealousy of the Lord that you must be aware of. Why would the Lord be jealous? What happens if the Lord takes me at my word more than I take me at my word? What happens if when I stand before him and say, you can have it all, everything in my life, take it, it's yours. He says, okay. And I walk into covenant with him. Now let me give you a human picture that makes more sense. There was a day where my wife and I stood and we made a covenant to each other and said, I belong to you, you belong to me. Now, if I just decided one day that I was going to go make that same type of commitment to another woman, how many women in this room would say, that's a problem? Because I made a covenant to my wife. I made a promise. And that promise meant I won't do this. Can I just lay it out? The covenant to Jesus where I say, I belong to you. You can have it all. He takes it real. He takes it to heart. And from his perspective, any movement away from the kingdom, any movement into partnership with sin is a violation of that. And it causes jealousy in his heart. The same way it would cause my wife to say, what are you doing? You belong to me. Get over here. But see, we want to assume that sin is not that big a deal. 
Don't we all have indiscretions? Aren't there, aren't there points of misgiving in all of us? It doesn't really matter, does it? Church, what if it does? What if the Lord's point of view on those indiscretions is a violation of heart where he realizes every moment that we would willingly partner with sin, what we're saying is, you just don't matter to me right now. That's so harsh, it's so legalistic. No, it's not. Holiness is not about keeping rules. Holiness is about keeping covenant. I told you I belong to you, therefore, no matter what I want, no matter how bad I want it, I will not choose it because I choose you. I don't govern my behavior because I've transcended to some place where I no longer want things that are wrong. I govern my behavior because I made a covenant to a king and said, I will belong to you. I do belong to you. So I will willingly choose to not partner with sin. We talked about this last week. Because the desire's there doesn't mean we're guilty. It's an invitation to choose him every time. So Paul says there's this Immanuel Kant, with a philosopher, will call it an I-thou relationship. There's a, there's a man-to-God relationship that's being watched by heaven, and we need to understand that the expectation of heaven is that we walk in consistent covenant and we keep our word. And then Paul brings up another covenant in this, and, and he says, we belong to each other. And he spends the bulk of this talking about meat offered to idols and preference and conscience and why should I let somebody else govern my behavior? What's he getting at? What he's getting at is this thing. I don't just belong to him. I belong to you. We belong to each other. And we are now in a covenant where I cannot say it doesn't matter to me how you feel. Even if I think you're wrong, your family, your mind, we matter to each other. And in our culture, in our Western Civ, I, this individual nature, we want to believe, I show up at church, I drive my own car, I live in my own house, I come into this place, I choose to go here. I don't really care if they choose to go here or not. It's not about them, it's just about me. And Paul's like, that is so wrong. We belong to each other. How many have ever cut your hand let me give you a word picture you can think through it. I, it. This happened to me last year. I was working in the yard. I was cutting drip lines for my sprinkler system. And, and, and I wasn't paying intent, attention to what I was doing. And I accidentally cut my thumb as well. And it started bleeding. I had a choice to make in that moment. I could look at my thumb and say, it sucks to be you. <laughs> Hope you deal well with that. Or I could realize that the blood flowing out of that belonged to the rest of my body as well, and it would be smart for me to come to the aid of my thumb, which doesn't have the ability to fix itself. So why don't we handle the church that way? Why can't we see that kind of injury in each other, see that kind of need in each other, and respond? Isn't it terrifying how easy it is for us to really not care that much. Anybody ever get plagued with that? You feel like, I really don't care as much as I should. Paul makes a statement in the end of this that's incredibly important. He talks about glory. He said, you must do all for the glory of God. This word glory, the Hebrew word is kavod, and it means weight or substance. Paul says, you must live your life in a way that's bringing greater weight and greater substance to God. It's drawing people's eyes to him. It's putting their attention on him. And it's adding to him. 
If you study glory in all of its roots in, his, in the history of Scripture, there's a place where glory comes up and it's not connected to God. It's connected to the enemy. There's a place where Lucifer, as is recorded to us in Ezekiel, Lucifer will will desire glory for himself. He will stand before the Most High and he will say, I want to be like the Most High. And he tries to usurp authority. He tries to draw in a, a fair amount of the angels to say, look, he's no different than we are. We are also spiritual beings. Why can't we be equals? And he has this wonderful monologue that a few of them fall into. And so the end of the story is uh, his boss was more powerful than him and he kicks him out of heaven and he falls to earth. Why am I talking about that? Because what we see exampled in that was this selfishness, this self-love that said, I want, I need, put me up, which is at the root of the demonic. So selfishness and giving glory are antithetical. So any action in my life that is selfishly motivated, it is a partnership with hell because the reality is I'm being called to do what love does, which is give, serve, lay myself down in so much that I'm going to elevate the Lord in every situation. People are going to see the way I live and say, man, God has control of that one. So what Paul's dealing with in this is the tendency to ignore the needs of each other to live without conscience towards each other, to live selfish because we just don't think it matters. There's these two relationships. There's my relationship with the Lord, heaven's watching. My sin patterns matter to God because they declare something about my trust and my love for Him, my commitment to Him, my focus on Him. People are rightfully watching and heaven's watching the way I handle the people around me because what it says is what I understand. Has our Father not exampled to us that the way we are to live is to give and lay our life down? Not just for our family, church, but for no greater love is there than this, the man who lays his life down for a friend. That's how Jesus lived. And so I think the call of God for us in this passage is to aggressively work to eradicate selfishness from our lives. The only way I know how to eradicate selfishness is to live selfless and to serve. If there was ever a person on earth that had the right to be served, was it not Jesus? But doesn't the scripture declare that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but he came to serve and to lay his life down, a ransom for many? His model to us is the way you give glory to the Lord is through selfless love. You serve people around you. So even if it doesn't matter to you, if it matters to them, it matters to you. And Paul ties all this back into the bread and cup. He talks about the Lord's table. can become so easy to just view it as a ceremony. It's just this thing we do. But I want us to realize that every time we take that bread, every time we take that cup, we are making a declaration to heaven, I belong to you, and we are making a declaration to each other, I belong to you. And for these two declarations, I will protect both of them. I will live towards you in love. I will live towards you with purity. Let's stand this morning. Simple question. 
how's my selfishness meter? Am I living selfish or am I living selfless? How's my purity meter? Are there areas where I know the Lord's been dealing with me that I ignore because I just want what I want and I don't want to give it up? I want to take bread and cup this morning and deal with those two areas. Whether it's friendship groups, family units, or alone, doesn't matter. If you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus, you've just said it's kind of all new to me. I don't really know what to do. We have family members standing in the back that would just be honored to pray with you and to walk you into that covenant. And it really is this. It's a simple covenant. You get all of him, he gets all of you. There is no middle ground. The rest of your life will be about carving that out. Father, we stand before you this morning. Um, I love scripture and its ability to cut to the heart. And we just ask that you would breathe on this time. Draw the things to the surface that need to be drawn to the surface. Give us the grace and the courage to deal with them. Lord, if they're with other people, we've got to deal with that because we've not been loving them. Great. Show us what it looks like to do that. If it's with you and there's areas where we have, we've roused your jealousy with sin patterns, Holy Spirit, would you highlight those so we can repent of them and walk clean? And we love you and we honor you. Let's take bread and cup. Thanks for listening. For more great content, please visit us on the web at vintagecitychurch.com.